down. A couple of things really fast um, before we start. Uh, one, I've been doing this for about 18 years, uh, this book. I just turned 50 last year. The older I get, the harder it is to get this thing to come out of my brain. So if I make a mistake, I'm not going to make up the Bible. I'm going to walk over there to that iPad, figure out where I am, and catch back up. It may happen, it may not. I did this one time where chapter 1, verse 2, my mind went blank. And I had to look like a moron and walk over there and figure out where I was after only one verse, right? So there's that. Um, if I don't see anybody doing it, but I am going to say this. If you have a Bible, put it away or a device. Please don't follow along. I'll tell you why. I was in a church like this, actually in West Virginia, and seated about right over here was a husband and wife. They were following along. And at one point, I'm quoting, and the lady looks over at her husband and, and mouths, he said, for, it's there for. Now, in my brain, several thoughts went through my heart and my mind at that point. I was like, lady, I'm trying up here. I mixed up for and therefore, and ever since then, I get freaked out if people are following along with me. So I try not to, I won't make up any of the Bible, but I might mess up a word or two in the interim as we get there. Um, Final thing, um, I have a couple of volunteers who are willing to help me in chapter 7, so nobody bit weirded out if they just start walking up here. If they don't help me, I can't remember chapter 7. Finally, I'm really glad to see so many kids in here. I'm about to say a lot of words, and this is actually true for you adults too. I'm about to say a lot of words. So here's what I want you to do with all of these words that are coming at you. I want you to try to listen for two things. I want you to listen for two things. Thing number one, how many times this guy who wrote Hebrews says Jesus is better than something else? Just listen for that. How many times he says Jesus is better than something else? The other thing I want you to listen for is how many times the guy says, don't give up or hold on or endure, keep going. In fact, when we went through this as a church, we had this phrase that our church used that says, keep at it, Jesus is worth it, okay? So we're all going to say that out loud together. And please don't do the church mumble because you don't want to be heard by anybody else. I'm going to need you to say it out loud all together. Even you kids, you can say this out loud. Keep at it. Jesus is worth it. Are you ready? That wasn't really reassuring. Are you ready? So here we go. Keep at it. Long ago. At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he created the world. He is the very radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, awaiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For who has said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, he says, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his 
angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. The heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels did he say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a, a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent to serve for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared first by the Lord. And it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness through signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Now, it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking, for it has been testified of somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him. You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who's crowned with glory and honor, namely Jesus, crowned because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified all have one origin. That's why he's not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things so that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God to bear the propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Therefore, brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. But Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house deserves more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by somebody, but the builder of all things is God. Now, 
Moses, was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify of the things that were to be spoken of later on. But Christ is faithful over all of God's house as a son. And we are his house. Indeed, if we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today so that none of you may become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm until the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not all those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they shall not enter my rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we may see they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, justice to them, but the message they heard did not profit them because they were not united by faith with those who had listened. For we who have believed have entered that rest. As it is written, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this passage, it says, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of unbelief. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter into that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. 
Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who was made like us in every respect. For every priest appointed from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward because he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when appointed by God as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made high priest, but was appointed one by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. About this we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you should be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let us therefore leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instructions about washings, the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, those who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and of the power of the ages to come, if they then fall away, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it was cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak this way, beloved, yet in your case, we feel strong of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not so unjust as to overlook your work and your love that you showed for his sake and serving the saints as you still do. And we desire the same earnestness for each one of you that you might have the full assurance of hope firm until the end. So that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, 
Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God decided to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast the hope that is set before us. And we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a hope that has entered into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For this, Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham appointed, appointed a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. Then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father, mother, or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils? And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is from their brothers, though these are also descended from Abraham. But this man, who does not have his descent from him, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, while in the other case, of one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestors when Melchizedek met him. Whew. Now. If perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe of which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord descended from the house of Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses says nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises after the order of Melchizedek, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but on the basis of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in, his, in office. But this priest holds his office permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. 
those that draw near to God through him, seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. It is indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, one who is holy, innocent, unstained, exalted above the heavens, for he has no need as those high priests to offer sacrifice first for himself since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. The law appoints men in their weakness as priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, a minister in holy places in the true tent, which the Lord set up, not man. For every priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it was necessary for this priest to also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not have been a priest at all since they offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, God instructed him saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant which he mediates is better, seeing that it is enacted upon better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I show no concern for them, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them upon their hearts and they shall I shall be their God and they shall be my people and they shall have no need to teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest and I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, having a first section called the holy place. In it was the lampstand, the table, and the bread of presence. Behind a second curtain was a second section called the most holy holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides in gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna, an Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Uh, Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. 
of these things, we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priest go regularly into the first section to perform their ritual duties. But into the second section, only the high priest goes. And he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. For by this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. For by this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that can never perfect the conscience of the worshiper. They deal only with food and drink and various washings and regulations of the body imposed until time of reformation. But when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, then through a greater and more perfect tent, one not made by hands, that is not of this creation, he entered into the holy place, not by the means of the blood of bulls and goats, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer purifies for the sanctification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God without blemish, purify our conscience from evil works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that has redeemed them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established for a will takes effect only at death since it is no longer in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been given by Moses, he took blood with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the temple and the book and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places which are made by hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the earth. But as it is, Christ has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, who appeared once, will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Therefore, brothers, since we have a priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Therefore, brothers, since we have a great high priest 
who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us draw near in a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains any offering for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy upon the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be endured by the one who has spurned the Son of God and outraged the Spirit of grace and profaned the blood of the covenant through which he was sanctified? For we remember him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall your former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle through suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated, for you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew you had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance." so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul takes no pleasure in him, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as being righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah 
being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was told to go out to a land that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs of the same promise, for he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received the power to conceive, even though she was past the age. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven as, and as innumerable as the grains of sand by the seashore. And all these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles upon the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear they are seeking a homeland. For if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when tested, offered up his only son, Isaac. And he, who was in the act of offering up his son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, G Jacob, at the end of his life, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months because his parents saw that he was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin for a season. For he considered the reproach of Christ of greater value than the wealth of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, Moses kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do the same, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the disobedient because she had given friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah and of David and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, escaped the edge of the sword, quenched the power of fire, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in battle, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. 
Others suffered mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered about in deserts and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended for their faith, did not receive the things promised since God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. For in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not lightly regard the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, you're illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we respect our earthly fathers and they disciplined us. Shall we not much more respect the father of heaven and live? They disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. He disciplines for us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. <laughs> for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who for a single meal sold his birthright. For you remember afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, 
a darkness and a gloom and a tempest and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken. Indeed, they could not endure the order that was given that if even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear, but you have come to Mount Zion the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festal gathering and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of those who were enrolled in heaven and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant whose sprinkled blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape him who warned them on the earth, much less will we escape him who warns us from heaven. At that point, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more will I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that can be shaken in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be thankful to God for a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those in prison, as if in prison with them, and with those who suffer adversity, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. What shall I fear? What can man do to me? Remember your leaders. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by strange and diverse teachings that have not benefited those devoted to them. For we have an altar from which those who serve at tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the gate and bear the approach he endured. For here we have no lasting city. We seek the city that is to come. Therefore, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Remember to do good. Share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, 
for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we desire to act honorably in all things. I urge you to do this the more that I may be returned to you the sooner. And now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all the leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you.